0: The first thing I have to do today is look right into that camera and wish my mother a happy Mother's Day. She joins us every Sunday, so I know she's with me today, and so I just want to say thank you, Mom, and I'm sorry. Uh, Since I've become a mother, I realize there are a lot of things I should really apologize for. I I didn't um, make it easy on her, but she loved us anyway, and so uh, I'm grateful for my mom that she taught me uh, to love God, because that's been the greatest blessing in my life. And so, happy Mother's Day, Mom. I did a lot of praying over what to bring today, and specifically I prayed that God would give me a message for the mothers that would be here today listening, and I believe that God has done that. And uh, in order for me to be able to give you the words that He has given me, I need His help because I can't do this in myself, and so I'm going to ask that you pray with me now. Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity to speak what you would have mothers here today. And God, I can't do this in myself, and so I need your help. I need you, God, to anoint me, and I need you to help me say the things that need to be spoken today. God, I ask that you would open the hearts and the ears of every mother that is here today to receive this word, to hide it in their heart, and to hold on to it, God, when they need the reminder. We know that all good things come from you, and I'm so thankful for you today, God, Bless the time that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. The scripture that I'm going to be drawing the message from this morning is Isaiah 49, verses 14 and 15. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. In these scriptures, the nation of Israel, they've been going through a very prolonged time of suffering and they feel like God has forgotten them, that He's forgotten His covenant, His promises. But God responds by asking a question that we as mothers know uh, is nearly impossible Can a mother forget her nursing child? No. But God goes on to say, I have that much more compassion toward you, and I surely will not forget you. As mothers, it's easy to feel forgotten sometimes. We spend our days and our nights doing everything for everyone else. We make sure all the boxes are checked on everybody else's to-do list, and we might get to our list, and we might not, and if you are like we are in our home, I call Tony dad, and he calls me mom. We don't even call each other by our names, and so to, to go days at a time without hearing your name, you might feel forgotten, but this is what God says. He says, I will not forget you. And so I think that is the message that God has for you today, is that God remembers. When we talk about remembering something, it's in the context that we have forgotten to think about something. We knew it at one point, but we've just forgotten it. But when we talk about God remembering, it's very different. It's not in God to remember forget things in the way that we do. It's not his nature. The scripture tells us that he is all-knowing and his knowledge is perfect. So when we read in the scripture that God remembers something, it's not because he forgot to think about us. No, when God remembers, God takes action. God is setting something in motion on our behalf when he remembers. There are many stories in the Bible, some obvious stories of times when God has remembered a mother. We think about Sarah. Sarah, she overheard God telling Abraham that he was going to be the father of many nations. But the promise wasn't just for Abraham, it was for Sarah. Because God told Abraham that Sarah would be the one that would conceive the child. And Sarah laughed at that promise because Sarah was 90 years old. But you just read a little farther in the scripture and you find that 10 years later at the age of 100, God remembered Sarah. And when he remembered her, her womb was opened and she conceived that child of promise. We have a similar story when we think about Abraham's grandson Jacob. His wife, Rachel, whom he loved very much, could not have children. But the scripture tells us that God remembered and Rachel conceived a child. And we have Hannah. Hannah who desperately wanted a child. Hannah who prayed for a child. And God remembered her. And when God remembered Hannah he not only remembered Hannah, but he remembered the nation of Israel because her son Samuel, he was just as much a gift to the nation of Israel as he was to Hannah. So those are some of the obvious stories. There are other places in Scripture that are a little not so obvious, and you have to go looking for them, but nonetheless, God remembers these mothers. And those are the mothers that I want to talk about this morning. The very first mother we should talk about is Eve. Eve is the very first mother there ever is. Eve had a hard job. She had no example. We all have an example as mothers. Whether we learned what to do or what not to do from our mother, we had an example. Eve didn't have that. So she's figuring this out on her own. And the most interesting thing to me about Eve's story is that When you're reading in Genesis, she has Cain and Abel in chapter 4. But in chapter 3 is when she's first called mother. And I think that's significant for every woman in the room because it tells us that when God created a woman, he put something in our spirit that gives us the heart of a mother. We don't have to have biological children to be a mother to someone. And we will see that in the scripture. Mothers come in many different ways. Well, Eve, she does have children. She has Cain and Abel. She's living her life. She's working in the garden. She's doing everything she knows to do. She's raising her family. And out of nowhere, something tragic happens. Eve didn't see it coming. She wasn't ready for it. Eve experiences the loss of a child. Her son Abel is killed. And as if that were not difficult enough, she has to come to the realization that she lost her child at the hands of her other child. This is a sorrow that no mother can even fathom. Surely this is a time where Eve feels forgotten. But in her suffering, in her sorrow, God remembers Eve. You read on, and a few chapters later, she has another son, and she calls him Seth. And Eve acknowledges that this son was given to her by God. Not a replacement. God created our hearts. He knows that you can't replace a child. But no, him giving Seth To Eve was his way of remembering her. He took action to let Eve know that she had not been forgotten, that he remembered. We remember Eve too, don't we? But what is it we remember Eve for? We remember Eve for that thing that she got really wrong, right? We don't think about Eve. In terms of being a mother. We think about Eve as listening to the lies of the enemy. Sharing the forbidden fruit with her husband. And when he takes a bite, sin enters the world. That's what we remember Eve for. But the truth is, Eve got something really right. When Adam and Eve have Seth, they're about 130 years old. Seth, tell me about it. (laughs) Seth, at the age of 105, he has a son named Enosh. And the Bible tells us that men called upon the name of the Lord. How is it that hundreds of years after creation, men know that they can call upon the name of the Lord? Because Eve got the most important thing right. Eve told her children about God. And her children told their children and their children told their children. Isn't that why we're all here today? Amen. Truly Eve and Adam were the greatest missionaries of the Old Testament. Well, the second mother we should talk about is the mother of Moses. And the scripture doesn't tell us definitively what her name is, but Jewish tradition tells us that her name is Jacobin. And so we're going to give her a name today. I'm going to call her Jochebed. Jochebed is a Hebrew woman. She's an Israelite. And she's living in a time where the Pharaoh of Egypt has issued a decree that every Hebrew boy born to a Hebrew woman should be thrown in the Nile River and drowned. And he issues that decree out of fear. The Israelite nation, they're growing exceptionally fast. And with the birth of every boy, Pharaoh knows that as they become men of fighting age, that is just one more person that can overthrow the Egyptians. So he issues that decree out of fear. And the thing that he does when he issues that decree, he takes the Nile River. The Nile River is the very source of life for Egypt. And he turns it into a death sentence for the Israelites. Well, Jochebed has a son. She does everything she can do for three months. She loves him, she cares for him, she nurses him, she hides him. She keeps him concealed so that nobody knows that she has a baby boy. But three months in, and it's getting really hard to keep him a secret, he's getting bigger, he's getting louder. She can't keep him hidden any longer. And so she's come to a moment where she has to make a decision. She's got to trust God. You know, it wasn't long after Sophia was born. I was overcome by all of these feelings and thoughts that were very fearful and anxious. I worried about everything. I worried that the sniffle that she had wasn't just a sniffle. I worried that every time I left the house in my vehicle that I was going to be in an accident and I wasn't going to be able to raise my child and who was going to raise her. Just overwhelmed with all of these fears and anxious thoughts which I had really never experienced before. And I remember one day I was talking to my sister Carrie. She's here this morning. Good morning. And I guess she got tired of hearing me whine. Uh, there's a cap on how much she can handle, and apparently I had reached the threshold. And she finally looked at me and she said, "Christine, do you think that you can do a better job taking care of Sophia than God can?" Well, apparently I did. Because I worried constantly. And I knew that wasn't the truth. I know God can take better care of my children than I can. But my mind just wasn't getting the message. And so even now, sometimes I find myself, when I'm fearful or having those thoughts, I'll ask myself that question. Christy, you know you cannot do a better job of taking care of your children than God can. You're just going to have to trust him. And I think that's the place that Jochebed is at. She's done everything she knows to do as a mother. She has nothing left but to trust God. And so she makes a little waterproof basket and she places her baby boy in that basket and she sets him in the reeds in the Nile River. And what do you think happens? Well, God remembers Jochebed. God sends a woman down to the river. Not just any woman. God sends Pharaoh's daughter down to the river. And she sees that baby crying in the basket. And the Bible tells us that she had compassion for him. And so she takes that baby and she raises that baby. Don't you know that when God remembers something, He does it in a big way. God took the very thing... That the enemy meant to kill Moses, and he used that very thing to save Moses. And that's just like God. I believe that there are mothers that are hearing this today. There is something that has come into your child's life, and you recognize it for what it is. You recognize it for an attack of the enemy. They don't see it yet, but mama does. And you need to know that God remembers you and that thing that the enemy has sent your way to destroy your child will be the very thing that God uses to bring salvation to your child. That's what he did when he remembered Jochebed. Now, we can't finish the story of Moses without talking about Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter, who presumably does not know God, And yet, God used her, and I wonder if she ever realized how God used her. She is not this child's mother, but the scripture tells us she saw him and she had compassion on him. And I believe that she is the very epitome of that heart of a mother that we read about in Genesis 3, when Eve is called mother before she has children. Pharaoh's daughter, she knew that he was a Hebrew. The scripture tells us she looked, she saw the baby boy, and she said, this must be one of the Hebrew's children. But knowing all of the things that would come with that, knowing that as this child grew, he would have questions about who he was, where he came from, why he doesn't look like the rest of the family, knowing all of that, And she still took that child in and raised him as her own. And she did a mighty fine job because over in the New Testament, we read that Moses was educated in all the ways of the Egyptian. And when we find Moses later in Scripture, he's 40 years old, still living in the palace. I would say that Pharaoh's daughter was kinder to Moses than many of us would be if our children were still living at home at 40 But that's the heart of a mother. So God remembered Jochebed. The last mother I want to talk about this morning is Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary was a young girl, 15, 16 years old, and Mary had a plan for her life. Mary met a boy. He was an older boy, but he was a boy. She was going to marry him. They were going to have a family. And they were going to live happily ever after. And then all of a sudden, one day, something that she didn't account for in her plans happens. And Mary's plans get derailed. The angel Gabriel visits Mary. And he tells Mary that she is blessed and highly favored of God, that she's going to conceive a son of the Holy Spirit, and she will call him Jesus. Well, Mary is astonished. Mary does not understand how this is going to happen, and she certainly does not understand why she has been chosen. But Mary submits to the will of God in her life. Now, one would think that raising Jesus would be a mother's dream. I mean, he's the perfect child. He can do no wrong. There is no sin in him. And yet, Mary is still not spared from all of the things that mothers go through. You remember the story when Jesus is 12 years old. And Mary, Joseph, Jesus, all their family, their friends, their neighbors, every year they made the trip to Jerusalem to go celebrate the Passover. And it's that time of year. And so they pack everything up and they start that three days journey down the dusty road to Jerusalem. They celebrate Passover. They turn around and they're coming home. They've traveled for an entire day when Mary and Joseph realize that Jesus is not with them. So they're asking, well, maybe he's back there playing with Johnny. Go ask Elizabeth, does she have Jesus? Nope, he's not with us, Mary. And it doesn't take long for Mary to realize that she has lost her son. Now, I experienced something similar. When Sophia was about two years old, Tony and I, we took just a long weekend just to get away, hit the reset button. And we get to the hotel room. I'm unpacking all the bags. And Tony grabs the ice bucket. He's going to go get some ice. And on his way out... I may have even suggested it because I didn't want to be interrupted unpacking. I said, just flip the latch on the door so that when you get back with the ice bucket, you don't have to have a key to get in. And so he flips the latch, and so the door doesn't close all the way. Well, he comes back with the ice bucket. I'm busy unpacking things. And I turn around and I realize that Sophia is not sitting where I last saw her. And so I called for her, Sophia, and I didn't get an answer. So we started looking. We looked in the bathroom. We looked in the closet. um, We looked everywhere we could think to look. It's a hotel room. How many places could you possibly get lost? And yet we're calling her, and now it's gone from Sophia to Sophia Grace. (laughs) Sophia Grace, where are you? Not a peep, not a peep. And I start to panic. I'm in full-blown panic mode, and the only explanation that I have is that my child has somehow gotten out that open door, and she's gone down the hallway, and I'm down the hallway, and I'm looking, and I don't see her, and I just know that somebody has snatched her, and they have her in their room. And I'm ready to call 911, and I'm ready to go knock on doors, and Tony is trying to calm me down, He's trying, You know, it really can't be this bad. She has to be somewhere close. And I have seen enough episodes of Dateline to know <laughs> that the first 24 hours are the most critical. And every moment that my husband spends trying to keep me calm is a moment that we have lost. And all of a sudden, there's a moment where I believe God remembered me and i heard a little giggle <laughs> and so i follow the giggle and somehow my child who at 6:30 a.m. every morning sounds like a herd of elephants has squeezed herself in between The platform of the bed. Because, you know, hotel rooms, you can't get under the bed. There is no under the bed. There's a a wall there. She has squeezed herself. She's laying perfectly flat and still, not a word, between the bed, the side table, and she's got the cover hanging right over her. And you couldn't see her. You couldn't see her. Well, whew, the relief (laughs) that came over me when I realized that we were not going to be on an episode of Dateline. It was a huge burden off of me. And that's what I think about when I read the story of Mary losing her son. She is in full-blown panic mode. And we know this because the Scripture tells us that while they had only traveled one day away from Jerusalem... It takes them three days to get back to Jerusalem before they find Jesus. Why did it take them three days? Because Mary is looking under every rock. She's looking over every cliff. She has looked and re-looked, and she's went back and looked a third time. She is desperate to find Jesus. I believe that it's quite possible that Mary may not have even expected to find him alive. She might have felt like she was looking for his body. That was a dangerous journey on the road to Jerusalem. So three days she looks for her son. She finds him three days later, hanging out in the temple. He never even started the journey home with him. Well, the next time that we hear from Jesus in the scriptures, he's 33 years old. And I heard a teacher say once that that's because Jesus was grounded until he was 33 for pulling that stunt. And I believe that could quite possibly be true. As an adult, Jesus wasn't much easier on his mother. Seems like everywhere he went, he was stirring up trouble. There were times Mary even had to send his brothers in an attempt to go get him and bring him home. He was causing that much trouble. And you know, Jesus, he was perfect. There was no sin in him. Not all of the challenges that we face as mothers are because our children have done something wrong. Sometimes it's just life. Sometimes it's other people that have said something hurtful or done something to hurt our children. And I think sometimes that those might be the even harder situations to deal with because there's no rhyme or reason. You don't have an explanation for why your child is hurting. But I think that we see in Mary, it doesn't matter how perfect your children are. A mother's heart is always to worry. A mother is always going to be faced with the things that mothers think about and toil over for their children. Well, Mary does go on to raise Jesus. He does grow up. And at the age of 33... He's in public ministry, he's hated by the world, and he's hated for the truth. And he's hated so much that he is crucified, and Mary witnesses this. She witnesses the crucifixion of her son. And while Jesus is raised from the dead, he will never again be her earthly son. While we gained a savior... Mary still lost a son. But what do you think happens? God remembers Mary. We read in John chapter 19. At verse 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. His mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother... And the disciple whom he loved, who would that be? John. John standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple, John, took her to his own home. Mary's calling as a mother had come to an end. Jesus had completed the work of the cross. When it seems that everything was coming to a close, God still remembered Mary, and the Apostle John will take care of Mary for the remainder of her life. So, this morning, the message that God sent me to give to mothers today is that you are not forgotten. God remembers. And he remembers not because he's forgotten to think about you, but because he's waiting for that moment. He's waiting for the right time to remember and set something into action for you on your behalf. And you will remember that you have not been forgotten. This morning... God placed it on my heart to have an altar call. I believe that there are mothers in this room who identify with some of these mothers somehow. Maybe you identify with Eve. Maybe you have faced the loss of a child. And maybe in that grief of all the time you didn't get, It colors everything in your world with a shade of gray. And you just can't get past that. God wants you to know that he remembers you. Or maybe like Eve, you feel like for all the things that you get right, people can't seem to forget that one thing you did wrong. And you need to know that God sees you for who you are now, that God remembers you. You might see yourself like Jacobin. Maybe you have a child that you've done everything for, everything you can think of. You've exhausted your financial resources. You've given of everything you have And you have nothing left to give. And you're at the place where you are going to have to release that child to God for a season. In order to see your child saved. And you need God to remember you. He is here this morning. And if you ask him, he will remind you, you have not been forgotten. We have mothers here. Who were like Pharaoh's daughter. I love the story of Pharaoh's daughter. We have mothers here who have looked at children that did not belong to them, but recognized they were in need of a mother. And they took that on willingly, and they took it on knowing this child is gonna come with issues. You've taken in children who have, e- have suffered physical abuse, emotional abuse, and you know the emotional trauma that you are going to have to deal with as being their mother. You've adopted children with special medical needs that require extensive medical care. And you feel like You are barely treading water. You're doing everything you can. And God wants you to know that he sees the heart of the mother in you. And he has not forgotten you. He remembers you. Maybe you're like Eve this morning. You know that you are blessed and highly favored of God. You see it. You recognize it in your life. But that doesn't stop life from happening. Something has come along the way. Something has turned your world upside down. Something you never saw coming. Maybe it's a broken marriage. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's an accident. I don't know what it is. But what I do know is that there are mothers here today that need to remember that God has not forgotten you. And so I want to open this altar today for those mothers, for the mothers who need a reminder that God remembers them. If you're here this morning, if you're struggling with something in your mother's heart, if your mother's heart is heavy and you don't know what to do or where to go, would you come to the altar and let us pray with you? There's no judgment here. Remember, we're not going to remember Eve anymore for the things she got wrong. We're going to remember Eve for the things she got really right. There's no judgment here this morning. I want you to come to the altar and lay it before God today and tell Him exactly what it is you need. Just tell Him. I feel forgotten. I feel like nobody knows my name. I've got nothing else left to give. And I need to know, God, that you remember me. If you're a mother here this morning and God has been faithful to bring you through some things, would you come and pray with these other mothers that are here? Would you just put your hand on their shoulder and let them know that they're not alone?